You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about cold training. The entire title could be called Cold Tolerance, uh, Lessons from Warriors, Explorers, and the Science. We may do a wee bit of myth-busting. Uh, of course, some of us, there's a tendency to think that we need some sort of special tactics or techniques to approach our cold training. Perhaps that's not the case. Let us open with a quote. <clears throat> Quote, I suffered a succession of shivering fits, which I was quite unable to stop, and which took possession of my body until I thought my back would break. Such was the strain placed upon it. Unquote. Now, that is absolutely Cherry Garrard writing in his fascinating book, The Worst Journey in the World. It was written in 1922, which is his firsthand account of Captain Robert Falcon Scott's ill-fated Antarctica expedition. Now, the Terra Nova expedition, as it was called, was called because the vessel they traveled in was the Terra Nova, was ostensibly an, an endeavor for science, but at heart it was for man versus the elements' glory in an age of great explorers. Now, uh, Cherry Garrard's account is compelling, tragic, and more than a few sections of high pragmatic instructional value. We can learn far more from the wise moves, in many cases the mistakes, of actual men and women living in the raw than from most all the theories and suppositions and uh, trendy th uh, practices on the planet put together. Jerry Garrard's tale of enduring the hazards of cold weather is not particular to him. He was a hardy, robust man well up to many polar tasks. His was not a tale of a weakling or an isolated tale of suffering. Most all polar explorers were subject to such back-arching shivering, the perils of frostbite and other punishing side effects of being a human in extreme cold. And yet, on the exact same Terra Nova expedition, we find Mr. H.G. Bertie Bowers, Bertie was his nickname. Bertie slept soundly in the same subpar tent right next to Cherry Gerard all through the night. While Cherry Gerard was suffering back arching shivering, Bertie slept in sub-zero temperatures without need of the eider-down lining of his fur sleeping bag. Aside from sound sleep, uh, a seeming all-rightness with the cold, Bertie also never suffered from frostbitten feet, as so many others on the expedition did. Captain Scott himself says of Bertie that he had, quote, never seen anyone so unaffected by cold, unquote. So we can ask ourselves, what was it that set Bertie apart from his fellow polar explorers? Now, this is from them. We don't have to make any supposition about it. According to all in the expedition, each morning, Bertie would strip nude in the icy Antarctic air and douse himself with buckets of ice water and slush. Now, his companions were horrified by the practice, and yet Bertie seemed to thrive. But anecdote is not proof. Did the practice itself aid Bertie's uh, constitution, or was there some other mechanism at work? Now let's go to another polar account, this one from the wife of explorer Robert Peary. This is Josephine Peary uh, accompanying her husband on an Arctic endeavor and her from the outside observations. So these are quite valuable. This is from her memoir of 1893 called My Arctic Journal. All right, now let's set the scene. Mrs. Perry tells of spending the night in an igloo with some of the native guides and their families. She describes vividly the cramped conditions, the snowy floor and icy walls. She's confessedly a bit discombobulated by the lack of, uh, in her, to her mind, decor because the robust close quarters and, well, the key bit follows. 
Again, from her journal, quote, of course, the addition of our stove working with the visitors brought the temperature up rapidly. And to my dismay, the Eskimo ladies belonging to the house took off all of their clothing except their necklaces of Sinishaw, just as unconcernedly as if there were no one present, unquote. The stripping nude birdie style that so discomfited Mrs. Perry was a rather common practice. We must not forget that although the quarters had two stoves at work and the shelter was filled with bodies, the floors were still snow and the walls were still ice. The practice of nude or near-nude cold exposure to build a tolerance is not particular to polar cultures or a wise handful of polar explorers. I mean, what could easily call to mind the Scandinavian and Russian practices of communal saunas followed by nude rolls in the snow? Now, historical accounts of young Spartan warriors training and enduring all natural in all conditions also abound. Cold training was even valuable to cultures one might not expect. Take, for example, the testimony of a Western Apache warrior named Palmer Valor who told of his mother's insistence that he swim often in icy streams as a boy. She told him, quote, If Mexicans or other enemies should come here, you will get scared and be no good if you don't make yourself brave by swimming in the cold water, unquote. That's from The Way of the Warrior, page 42. Now, there are many, many studies, the majority of these are military studies, as one might expect, a soldier and sailor hardihood is vital, that demonstrate that regular cold exposure does indeed increase the tolerance and cold weather performance of subjects. Again, we don't need any esoteric breathing, the, just the mere exposure helps. So we, we hear some people doing the practice of cold showers, which is fine, but it seems to be just the fact of Whenever the uh, maybe a little bit colder than usual outside, it's not bundling up all the way for it. Obviously, you got to stay safe. We're not advocating. I'm not advocating. The studies aren't advocating of, uh, ex- you know, always nude exposure to such a thing. It's just the occasional push to the extreme, as if you had just done a heavy clean or something like this. Is the exposure to uh, you get some robustification benefits from it, and also trying to perhaps in your uh, own training situation, if you have the opportunity to adjust that thermostat or leave that thing off while you're doing the work, that bit of cold of exposure does seem to be sometimes enough to be doing the trick. The mechanism is assumed to be capillary reaction and a bit of psychological hardihood. Just as lack of aerobic exercise allows the major circulatory system to atrophy, capillaries atrophy without the fluctuations in temperature this species evolved under. This is from Scott Carney's book, uh, What Doesn't Kill Us, How Freezing Water, Extreme Altitude, and Environmental Conditioning Will Renew Our Lost Evolutionary Strength. Here's a quote. Weak circulatory muscles are a side effect of living in a very narrow band of temperature variation. The vast majority of humanity today, the entire population that spends the bulk of its time indoors and or whose only experience when it gets too cold or too hot is wearing state-of-the-art outdoor gear, never exercise this critical system of the body. Even people who appear physically fit with lean muscles and chiseled abs might be secretly hiding weak circulatory muscles, and the stakes are huge. In the long run, circulatory diseases contribute to almost 30% of the world's mortality. Unquote. Now, it's an interesting take on it. Uh, Mr. Carney might be making uh, claims a bit too far there. And give, don't get me wrong. I've spoken with Mr. Carney. He's, he's a good man. Just in, perhaps a little bit overstating it, but we're on the mark. We're going in the right direction. Again, this sounds plausible. Is there additional uh, information to back up this hypothesis? Is it, in fact, a disease of civilization? By definition, a disease of civilization is any malady that does not appear to exist in extent indigenous populations still living in the not-quite-first world conditions. The hypothesis holds that diseases of civilization are self-inflicted maladies, the byproduct of persistent living inside the bubble of the marvels of our comfort-easing technologies. Don't get me wrong, I love the comfort bubbles, that's fine, but we have to keep in mind, what are we doing when we're doing physical training? 
we're adding stresses to ourselves outside of what we would normally get when we're sitting around watching our uh, our Netflix queue. Uh, so the same thing can be applied to whenever we're playing with uh, environmental abnormalities. I mean, we can play with uh, temperatures a little bit warmer than usual and or colder than usual. It doesn't mean persisting an entire bubble of living in subpar temperatures or having to douse ourselves and roll in snow constantly. It's just these little small exposures can do the trick. Now, there's a condition called Raynaud's syndrome. It's a condition where the fingers and toes turn white, then blue, then red, and sometimes quite mild cold exposure. It is due to the capillaries shutting down so completely in the face of cold that almost no blood gets to the tissues. Once blood flow returns, it can be quite painful. Now, disclosure, I myself suffer from renowned syndrome. My fingers have shut down in temperatures of 50 degrees during autumn yard work. Now, there's nothing debilitating about this. It's more of an inconvenience. It just happens. It's a genetic quirk. Now, the condition is little known in northern countries. Uh, we'll say Canada, Scandinavia, etc. It was originally assumed that the colder countries took better precautions in dressing for weather. But once this was put to the test, children were found playing outside without gloves, and not a sufferer of the Renault syndrome was found amongst these populations. In other words, a bit of birdie-style hardihood cures what else. So Renault syndrome and other cold maladies, chillblains and the like, can be lessened, reversed, or, and, or you could say cured by cold exposure. Now, I myself have found this to be the case of myself. You know, periodic cold exposure does indeed seem to help. Now, it seems that human robustification to cold is far more plastic, malleable than we may at first realize. There are, of course, limits to enduring physical stressors, but the evidence of history, myriad cultural practices, and military studies clearly show that the bubble of comfort can be expanded greatly. Now, the research shows that it is the robustifying effect of the exposure itself that drives the tolerance mechanism. There's no need for esoteric breathing. There's no need anything, something metaphysical on top of it or some other consciousness-altering practices. Anything you do like that, I'm, that's, this is not an argument against them. It's just to say you're kind of doing them for an additional aesthetic ornamentation to your own taste. But like improved VO2 max, it's a side effect of putting uh, in the work. There's no mysticism needed. Like Birdie, like the Eskimo women, like Palmer Valor, the Apache, the key is simply greater voluntary regular exposure. You can go extremes if you want, or you can just make sure you have some regular little outside of the comfort bubble margins. That's enough. So part of uh, for the new year, if we want to get a really deep cardiovascular exercise, not only are you doing your standard conditioning work, you might want to play a little bit with the fluctuations in your own comfort bubble. Well, that's it, crew. You guys take care of yourself. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, like, share, subscribe, you know, donate, you know, give a kidney. Hell, I don't know. You know, do, it, do whatever you want. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>